We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Yo, Spence, give me that follow. <laughs> yeah, Jack, getting some interaction with Spencer Dinwiddie after he hit the game winner tonight in Cleveland, 108-106, four-game win streak for the Nets. And as always, a quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. But Jack, what do you want to get into first? Uh, Nick, I think we got to get into the final few minutes of the game. Talk me through it. What was happening? What were the big plays? Uh, Jared Allen stepping up, Spencer Dimity doing his thing. You know, give me a, a play-by-play rundown. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the game, actually, Cleveland was really in control, and they just kept getting offensive rebounds. There was like four replays, four uh, review replays, and Cleveland got all of them, and they just continued to kind of push into the Nets' lead, and next thing you know, it was a tie game. The Nets were able to hold up on that last possession. You know, they had six seconds. You knew they were going to go to Spencer, and you'd figure, worst-case scenario, you know, they're going home in, or they're going into overtime. Instead, he hits a shot, nice little mid-range shot. He knew it was going down. He said in the post-game interview, if he wasn't hit, he knew Jared Allen was going to grab it and dunk it. Yeah, I mean, Jared Allen was absolutely monstrous, as was Spencer Dinwiddie. The, the the like that I got from Spencer on Twitter was the old fusion dance between him and Jared Allen. And then yesterday, I spoke about the Jared Allen growing. He gave me the, the retweet and the quote with uh, adding his big boy, the big crow, and, and Jared Allen as well. These two right now, I mean, they are playing some insane basketball. I mean, we're missing our two best players. But Jared Allen is going before our eyes. Spencer Dimwitty is playing like a goddamn all-star. I mean, how was Spencer tonight again, Nick? It seems to me that, you know, control, balance, and everything in between. Nine assists from him, 23 points, you know, a, a rebound, and, and as well to, to chuck it in there as well. Hit a couple of free throws. Uh, how was he tonight? 24 yeah. shots as well. 
He had three blocks and only one turnover. I mean, he wasn't knocking down as many shots. Give some credit to Cleveland and their defense and Jetty Osman, who did a nice job defending him on a lot of occasions. But Spencer just didn't necessarily have it. You know, he looked a little bit more tired in this game. He's carried a big load the last three games, so that was expected. But like you said, just in control, the nine assists, running the offense, and you just feel so much better with him out there. You knew if it was a close game, Spencer was going to probably take over and hit that big shot, and he did that tonight. And like you mentioned, he's playing at all-star level right now, considering how bad the rest of the team is and how much pressure is on him to perform and how much the defense can key on him. For him to have this type of success is big. I'll pose this to you, Nick, and we're going to pose it to some guests in the future. Should Spencer start when Kyrie and Karras are back? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to consider. I think Kenny's going to play around with it, but uh, Spencer's done a nice job, and maybe you don't want to mess that up, but also you have to worry about the bench unit. I think when uh, Karras and Kyrie are both back, they're going to have a decision to make in terms of that. When it's just Kyrie, I think it'll be a little bit easier because even if they start both of them, one of them is going to spend a lot of time with the bench unit to kind of stagger those minutes. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you on that one. And DeAndre Jordan was out in this one, Nick, but it didn't really matter when you have a guy like Jared Allen getting a 20-20 game, 22 points, 21 rebounds, nine offensive of them, two steals, two blocks, three assists. Best game of Jared Allen's career. We spoke about this a couple of days ago, but was this the most complete game of his career? This is the best rebounding game of his career. I don't know about the yep. rest of the stats. Offensively, it was still a lot of easy dunks and oops. And defensively, he kind of did his normal thing. He did have a really big clutch block at the end, I believe, on uh, Colin Sexton. But Jared Allen rebounding against Tristan Thompson, literally one of the yeah. best rebounders in the entire NBA to come away with nine offensive rebounds. That's impressive stuff. And 21 overall, this has just been something he's been way more consistent. In, and we've talked about it the last few games. He's attacking the rim and attacking the board instead of just letting them drop in his hands. Yeah, what I liked as well, I mean, in terms of the offensive sort of game, there was one little highlight. I think you put it out there. I think a lot of other people on that Twitter did as well. That little spin move and he put the ball on yep. the floor. It's just like... If he can start to do these things, and boy, oh boy, I mean, we, we've spoken about how Spencer Dinwiddie thinks he's a top five center. You know, Nets Daily got into it with Mitchell Robinson and with, with Jared Allen, and obviously the comparisons between those two. You know, Jared Allen is playing special basketball right now. And for those that, you know, don't know, he is still, he's only 21 years old, and he isn't turning 22 until April. So he's uh, he is just been able to legally drink, um, and he's doing some absolutely insane things in the basketball court right now. But we saw a bit of Nick Claxton tonight, Nick, and I think it was probably uh, probably his most disappointing performance, obviously, in a short span. But it was still good to see uh, the young kid out there. Yeah, he did have three assists. I felt like he had a couple of like those highlight flash plays where you're like, oh, this kid Nick Claxton is going to be really good. But he did have a couple of those rookie mistakes. And some of it is just lack of urgency out there, or just not necessarily feeling comfortable. He did call for an illegal pick as well. It wasn't his best game, but you know there were still positives to take away. Three blocks as well. Didn't even see that. He what he did um, was the worst in terms of plus minus on the team. But you know that's all relative. We, we it's also because Jared Allen was playing so good too. Yeah, very, 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 very fair point in that one as well. Were there any other takeaways from the bench? I know Jana Musa had a couple of nice little buckets at, at at key moments, but again, he seems to force a little bit. I think it's the the roller coaster. Uh, experience that you get when you're watching a Janan Musa perform for this Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah, pretty much you nailed it. It is a roller coaster because you don't know what to expect. Sometimes he'll make an incredible play and you're like, wow, all right, I see what the Nets see in this kid. And then other times you're like, what is he doing out there? This is the same mistake we've seen him make multiple times already this season. 
Yeah, I mean, 23 minutes, three of nine from the field, did hit a three ball, did get to the line a few times. That is one thing that sticks out, Nick, and I think it was probably mainly in the first half. Did the Nets even get to the line in the first two quarters? No, zero free throws in the first half, and that was wow. kind of concerning, in, especially because the Nets scored a lot of their points in the paint. I don't think the officiating was terrible, but there was definitely a couple opportunities where they should have went to the line at least you know, once or twice. I mean, it shows that, you know, different ways to, to win the game. I know you put out there, you know, this is what good teams do. They close out wins, and when they're tough, when they're tied on back-to-backs, the Brooklyn Nets proved that. And it did. It was timely in the fact that it did put us above uh, 500, so 9-8 and eight now. In terms of anything else, in terms of like Toy and Prince, let's speak a bit more about the starters. Toy and Prince seem to have a bit of an up-and-down game too, but, you know, a pretty complete sort of stat line. His passing game seemed to be on, but then there were times as well when he should have passed the ball that he didn't. Did lead the team in plus-minus, though. Yeah, I mean, he had some really nice shots in this game. There was a couple nice step-back threes. He looked pretty confident actually hitting some mid-range pull-up shots where we haven't really seen him attempt that a lot. So I think that could be something to add to his offense, especially when he's getting matched up with guys that are a little bit slower than him. But uh, offensively, he did have a couple nice passes, but there was one instance in the second half. He had a fast break. It was essentially three-on-one. He just should have dropped the ball off for like Musa or Joe Harris to get an easy lane. Instead, he forced it, and the Nets don't get a bucket. Cleveland takes the ball, and I think they score on the other end. Yeah, I think those sort of five-point, four-point turnarounds really kill you, really kill the momentum, and, you know, it certainly can ice the game. And, and every point matters when, you know, you're on the, the back of a back-to-back and you, you really want to get any point that you can. It's almost like golden in this sort of sense. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are a really feisty team. You know, I've spoken about them before on JBT, on the outlet and such. I really respect them as a unit. Kevin Love was out, so it did give us a, a little bit of an impetus there as well. Probably a, another reason why Jared Allen dominated the board so much. Kevin Love himself is also a really good rebounder. And him and Tristan Thompson have been dominating that sort of facet of the floor. But Nick, my boy Joey Buckets, 19 points, six rebounds, couple of steals and assists, 8 of 17 from the field, three of nine from three. How did my boy go? You know, it wasn't necessarily an amazing game from Joe Harris overall, but in the fourth quarter, he stepped up. He had a lot of big buckets at the end of the game, including one three. You just kind of could count on Joe there running some plays for him because they knew they were getting so much attention on Spencer Dinwiddie. It just led to some easy cuts for him to get layups at the rim. Yeah, and I mean, we know Joe can just have moments, and I think his moments lift the team as much as any other player sort of out there. He has a, a real mentality, and I think this might go to a lot of the players now where we were sort of the, the old darlings of the NBA. Everything was sort of happy, lovey-dovey sort of stuff, whereas the guys seem to have a bit of grunt about them, a, a bit of C-word, for lack of a better term. I would say it if I was on an Australian podcast, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot less uh, taboo over here. But they have a bit of mongrel about them. They're, you know, Jared Allen's playing with a bit more aggression. Joe Harris is, you know, really getting down on himself if he misses a few shots. And we know Spencer loves to, to bark a little bit to his mates out there too. But, yeah, obviously another solid performance from Joe. To have 17 shots as well, second in the team. I think, you know, you want to get the ball in Joe Harris's hands as much as often, especially from that three-point sort of line. Any other takeaways from the bench, Nick? The same sort of nine-man rotation, you know, obviously inserting Claxton for DeAndre Jordan with ankle soreness. You know, Shumpert, Pinson, any good things from these guys? Yeah, I didn't really love the game from Shump. You know, it felt like he took a couple early shots in the shot clock. He did hit one big three. Theo Pinson, I felt like this was kind of a steady game from him. It wasn't necessarily amazing, but I felt like I felt better with him out there than I have in the past. Like he was just getting a little bit more relaxed in the situation. Maybe he felt more confident going against some of these younger players. And I actually think the Nets might have missed DeAndre Jordan from like an offensive perspective. Just having that role man, someone to initiate the offense with a pick and roll. And like we've seen in the high post. So I think they actually did miss DeAndre just a little bit. 
Yeah, I think against those lesser teams, that's where DeAndre really does have an impact. And we saw it against Phoenix and, and some of these other teams where he can have a real impact. But against, you know, the likes of, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, probably the Lakers, you know, he's really going to be a, a net negative more than likely. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, th these wins are... You said to me, Nick, that you were surprised that we keep pulling these out. You know, a lot of the time last season, we were speaking about these sort of close performances and the Nets would be on the wrong side of them. You know, what is it that's different about this team, I guess, in comparison to last season? I mean, they're just finding ways to win games. This is like not even the most talented bunch. You know, this isn't as talented as the team they had last season when everyone was healthy. And obviously they're missing three of their top players they're just kind of developing winning qualities. It's just the small plays, that extra hustle, defensive communications, whatever it may be, getting out in transition, hitting the big buckets, and kind of getting some growing confidence. I want to say the Nets, they showed the the graphic on Yes Network. It's either 14 or 17 games that the Nets have had, or 14 out of their 17 games have been clutch games within 10 points. So they've had a lot of opportunities to kind of build up on this, and they're taking advantage of it right now, especially against maybe some of these lesser teams that don't have that type of experience. Yeah, definitely. You want I'm I've said it, you know, time and time again, you want to bank as many of these wins as you can when you have your most talented players out of the lineup. It's gonna be incredibly difficult against the Boston team. Kemba looks like he might be back. In terms of how confident are you heading into that matchup, I guess, Nick? If Kemba does come back, you know, we've seen Gordon Hayward shooting ship sites and apparently playing video games to help him heal. I have no idea what <laughs> that means. Um, but are you confident in this Nets team to to maybe pull off an upset on near Thanksgiving? I mean, I feel better about it than I did last week. You've seen some progress. You've seen some momentum. And maybe, you know, two out of two or three guys can have big games. You know, we're going to need Spencer to have a big game. Joe Harris is going to have to have one of those crazy games from three. Or maybe it's Torian Prince. So there's going to have to be other guys to step up. Right now, the last four performances they've had in these wins probably won't be enough to beat Boston. Yeah, I mean, Jared Allen against, you know, some, I think they'll probably might even use Enos Cantor a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised in that. We know Enos Cantor's had his way with Jared Allen a few times. But it seems to me that Jared Allen is embracing the physicality, embracing the aggression a little bit, but still keeping his understated nature uh, in, in that sort of sense. He's staying true to who he is. He's not necessarily being outlandish like a Joel Embiid. He's got this understated confidence to him. And I think I said that on the last episode as well. What is this guy blossoming into you for you, Nick? Uh, speaking a bit more, I guess, holistically and existentially about Jared Allen, this really young, blossoming, Afroed center. How good can this kid be? I mean, right now he's showing a lot of, you know, growth as a scorer inside, a rebounder, and, you know, even still as a defensive player. There's still room to add to his offensive skill set to take him up to another level. You know, he's a really good rim roller right now. He's only going to get better because he's only going to get bigger. Rebounding-wise, like you mentioned, he's getting more confident, and he's not trying to out-physical guys. He's using a little bit of his quickness, his verticality, his speed to kind of get some of those rebounds. So, I think what we're seeing from Jared Allen is just a better feeling, a better understanding for the game and taking advantage of the experience he's had the last two years, just getting all those minutes and all those starts. Do you think Coach Kenny is giving him more leeway to go for the, to go for those offensive boards? Uh, maybe, but I think it's a lot on Jared Allen. Like, you go for the offensive board, you better make sure you get back. You know, I think it's kind of a just on Allen. Yeah, it's, yeah. On both, it's on both sides. And I think in that sort of sense, Jared Allen probably now knows that he can get back in transition really yeah. quickly. We and know he's faster him. than a lot of centers out there. There's not many uh, guys that are going to be quicker than him. 
I mean, we talk about some of the really, really good offensive rebounds in today's league. You know, a Clint Capella, a Stephen Adams, a, an Andre Drummond. Jared Allen is now, you know, he's not in that conversation just yet because we've seen it in, in many spurts from him. But he has way more lateral athleticism and ability to move up and down the court than those guys uh, in in to, to the highest of degrees because he just has so much leeway, so much flexibility as a young guy. So... I'm hoping he keeps on feasting on those boards. You know, we, we talked about a little bit last season with Ed Davis, how the impact it was having on him with Jared Allen. Maybe DeAndre is getting in his ear a little bit too. We know how good of a, a, a rebounder DeAndre has been across his career. So I think Jared Allen is continuing to blossom. And, you know, I think a lot of people were sort of worried about, you know, the DeAndre acquisition and how it would affect Jared Allen's development. I mean, if anything, right now, we're seeing Jared Allen improve game by game by game. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that he's still going to get plenty of uh, credence and, and, and plenty of cre credence in terms of when he does the good things and plenty of criticism and and then some from some of the other guys on Nets Twitter in terms of when he does the poor sort of performances. But again, we're looking at a 21-year-old right now who is putting up 2020 performances. It's, you know, Astro Astro Jared, I guess, is, uh, is what's taken over. Well, and you mentioned, you know, a couple shows ago, the quote from Kenny saying, you know, he asked Jared Allen to be more consistent and he said, I'll be more consistent. And he's done just that. Like his effort level on every play is kind of maintained the same. It's just high energy across the board. There was even one play in the first half where he got on the ball for, got on the floor for a loose ball. So it's just been a lot of growth. And, you know, offensively, he's done a better job of finding the right spots where he can go up and get a dunk or just an easy lane instead of trying to deal with a contest or trying to shoot over somebody. Do you agree, and I guess we'll, we'll wrap this one up relatively soon, Nick, in relation to when DeAndre does get back, you know, obviously the minutes are probably going to be greater than what Claxton had tonight. Does it need to be Jared Allen 30 minutes plus and DeAndre 20 minutes less? Yeah, I think it depends, you know, on the matchup, foul trouble as well, how Jared Allen's playing. Is he fatigued? He's still a smaller guy, so obviously going against some of the bigger centers might fatigue him. You know, DeAndre might have a game where he's just lights out. But for the most part, I think you see Jared Allen in the high 20s and then, you know, maybe DeAndre around that 20 mark or a little bit less. I think it's just kind of a flow thing, but if Jared Allen's playing this way, you can't really not play him 30 minutes a game. I don't think yeah. the Nets really want to play him more than 30 in general just because he's a center. Yeah, and I, and I think in, in that sort of respect, you know, it's showing now that Jared Allen can play these bigger games. You know, he's playing 33, 34 minutes, 35 minutes on occasion. You know, Garrett Temple again led the way tonight with 36. But, you know, I think it's a positive sign. And because he has, I think he has the aerobic capacity to play extended minutes, it's the physicality that's always going to be an issue with him. And if he's yep. going up against a Tristan Thompson, who isn't exactly going to, you know, destroy you in the post like a, a Joel Embiid necessarily is or a Nikola Jokic, then I think he can play those extended minutes. And again, it's going to be game by game sort of committee but I think Jared Allen needs to continue to get 28 minutes plus you know barring fail travel like you mentioned Nick but I'll leave you with the final question and I think it's a good one to sort of end on Spencer Dinwiddie lock him in for an all-star right now I'm not speaking in February or whatever if we're talking right now if you had your votes Nick would you have Spencer Dinwiddie on your ballot I mean based off of this week he would be an all-star and you know maybe the last six games but I think his total body of work we can't forget you know the first four games or five games of the season he wasn't very good so I think no, but if it was based off of just this week and, you know, if he's just a lead guy, yes. Yeah, well, I'm going to go the opposite. He's the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and I think if I say yes, he might give me that follow, and <laughs> he might keep retweeting me. He might keep liking my tweets. So 
you know, I think that it, it's easy to say right now that Spencer Dinwiddie, because, you know, recency bias certainly does come into come into play, but he's been playing some absolutely sensational basketball. And, you know, we've spoken about in terms of questions from him before, when was he going to find that balance? We know he can drive like a madman. The breakdown that I did of him yesterday, you know, seeing some of his driving and some of his footwork pace and control, it just seems to me that he's just having his way out there and he knows how good he is and he knows the chemistry he has with these guys. He knows how to play towards them. He knows how to find his own. He's playing some sensational basketball right now. Yeah, no, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now. Eastern Conference Player of the Week, like you mentioned. And it's going to be such a luxury when he's back with Karras and Kyrie. You know, you're already seeing Spencer take that next step, and then he's going to be back with two of his best teammates. It's going to be a tough Nets team to defend if they can get everything gelling. Exciting times ahead, my friend. Yes, sir. And that wraps it up. As always, a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for checking in. Like I mentioned earlier, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.